everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail. And I don't know if you can hear that or not, but it's raining. It's yeah, it's raining here in Los Angeles. Yeah, which is uh, which is an uncommon occurrence. Uh, it's been a very dry few years for us. Uh, so we've got the window open. We're trying to enjoy it a bit. Also, it was a bit stuffy in here, and we had little choice. Uh, so if uh, if that is distracting for you, we apologize. Uh, we'd like to think of it as a little, a little pleasant ambiance. I love it. It's, I, 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 love, it I love it when it rains, mm, um, just it because it's so rare here in L.A. Yeah, it's, um, it's great. Especially if you can get was, like a solid day of it. Was, you can like uh, go to sleep with it. It's the best. I was telling you, uh, before we started recording, uh, my son, who's seven years old, mm. uh, he, he's home for a Christmas vacation. And he wanted to take a break from his day of play to go for a walk outside in the rain. That's just so because sweet. he loves it. He just loves being outside in That's the rain. That's really nice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is We've Got Mail. This is our podcast where I, William Bibiani, everybody calls me Bibbs. I'm and, a film critic for The Wrap. Uh, and I, Whitney Seibold, I'm a film critic. I write for Slash Film. Uh, this is where we answer your emails or letters if you send them in. Uh, it's really, really simple. You can send us a, a, a letter. However you'd prefer. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Yeah, send us an actual physical letter or uh, what have you to P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's, been a, it's been a holiday, uh, so uh, uh, we've got a bit of catching up to do. Uh, Whitney, uh, why don't you, we just uh, take a deep dive right. and uh, see, see who wrote us first. All right. Now, we uh, are still reeling from the release of the Sight and Sound poll, the Once a Decade uh, mm. poll sent out by the British Film Institute. Uh, and we gave you our own top ten list, mm-hmm. what we would end this epically long podcast we did. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago yeah, now, yeah. A couple yeah. weeks ago. And uh, people have been sending us their lists ever since. Yeah, so we so, want to uh, read more of those. We do want to yeah. read other emails as well, but we do, emails, we're going to read yeah. a few of those over the course of the podcast. Uh, I assume this segue means that the first one is another side sound poll. It's going to be another side sound poll. Okay, I'm uh, curious so what people this, have got. Yeah, this one is a side and sound poll list. It comes from Lily. Hello, Hi, Lily. Lily. Uh, hello, Bibbs and Rockmeister McCool. That, that's me. That's my nickname. That's, what people, that's what people call him. Uh, that's what his real friends call him. Nobody calls me that on the street. Nobody's ever said, hey, it's you, Rockmeister McCool. The next time, hey, listen, if anyone ever uh, has the opportunity to recognize Whitney Seibold mm. out and about, <laughs> uh, whether you just hear his voice and go, was that Whitney Seibold? Mm. I want you to say, excuse me, are you Rockmeister McCool? Because <laughs> let me tell you something, there's two possibilities. Either it is Whitney Seibold and he'll be very amused. Or it isn't Whitney Seibold, and they'll be extra amused, because that's a very funny thing to ask somebody. <laughs> anyway, what do you got? Uh, hello, Biz and Rockmeister McCool. I hope this letter finds you well, and with Pretty a repaired good. laptop by the time, if, when you record this. Not repaired, but we found a good uh, good, yeah. uh, good worker. I, I had to get some additional stuff. So we're, we, mm. we're up and running the way we like to be, but the laptop itself is not going to be fixed until late January, which is frustrating. But thank you for asking. I thought that I might share my choices if, by some miraculous mistake of fate, I were allowed to participate in the sight and sound poll. Uh, In order to make this a little bit different than the standard list, I thought I would frame my list around my experience with watching the movies as an autistic person who finds immense comfort in repetitive experiences. That's a great idea. These films included are all ones that I have hyper-fixated on for an extended period of time, most of which I have watched at least a dozen times and memorized every line of dialogue. That's fantastic. So with no further ado, done in my iron list fashion of ranking (laughs) nothing but my number one, uh, some of these don't have explanations. Some of these have explanations, some don't. Okay. So here's the list, not ranked. Okay. Uh, the Wizard of Oz. Great movie. Yeah. 
Into the Inferno. Werner Herzog is so eccentric, ah. and I love him deeply for it. This is not necessarily his best work, but my favorite because of the presence of a man named Clive, who seems absolutely exhausted and confused as to why Herzog is dragging him into the North Korean military exercises in a documentary ostensibly about volcanoes. I'm going to say this right now. Dante apparently loves that movie. I don't know if you can hear him meow in the background. Do you, like, you like Herzog documentaries, Dante? Dante, what's your favorite Herzog documentary? Wild Blue Yonder. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I was gonna. I, I would have assumed it would have been some sort of cat pun, but never mind. Oh. Wild mule yonder. Mm. Well, Wild I'm, mule I'm trying to yonder. think. Has, has Herzog made a movie about cats? I don't think specifically about I cats. Think so. All right. Okay. Uh, next up, Moonlight. Ah, great movie. Uh, Sunset Boulevard. Yes, in fact, I could give you every single one of Gloria Swanson's lines in order. Nice. Uh, burning. People say Tarantino has good dialogue. I say watch this one right now, please. Do you know Burning? Burning, is that the one with Stephen Yen? Uh, yeah, I think so. I missed that, yeah. actually. I keep, I keep hearing it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Nosferatu, I'm guessing the 1922 version. I they like Herzog, uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, they're, both, they're both good movies. Yeah. Uh, the Big Lebowski. <laughs> Yay! That's a fun one. <laughs> that's a fun one. Uh, a Separation. I'm very sad about the recent plagiarism allegation, so I won't credit Farhadi right now, but regardless, this came from someone, and it's great. <laughs> I want to know who, if the allegations are true, came up with these ideas. Yeah, in case you uh, you missed it, uh, A Separation was is considered by many to be one of the best films of the last 10, mm-hmm. 15 years, or I think 15 years now. Um, but uh, it turned out that Asghar Farhadi, a filmmaker I admired for many years, uh, has been rather credibly accused of stealing a lot of the ideas for his screenplays from people like his students. Yeah, like people would give him an idea and he'd just take it and run with it and not yeah. give them any credit. Uh, which is fucked up. Yeah. And I and I if, don't want to support that, but it is Separation is also a good movie, yeah, which is a if, frustrating if, thing to have to reconcile. If if you were to do that but also say ask permission or give yeah. credit, you give credit that would be something but based yeah. on a story by, based yeah. on an idea by at least. Yeah. You know, my God. Uh, but the number one film on this list... Oh, excuse me, I skipped one. Um, yeah. Ferdinand the Bull is on here as well. Oh, I wonder if that's the original... I've watched the short. Uh, yeah, the short. The short film. Yeah, okay. To fall asleep almost every night since I was a toddler. For... Because they did a CG movie not that long ago. Yeah, missed. where Channing Tatum uh, was it Channing played, Tatum? played the bull. Um, okay. No, yeah. but uh, Ferdinand the Bull was a children's book that I'm, mm. I'm familiar with about a bull who didn't want a bullfight, wanted mm. to sit in a field and smell flowers. Wanted to be sweet and peaceful. Yeah. And they did. A, I think it's Disney did the short. Disney did a short. Really uh, sweet in, short in film. The yeah. 40s, I think. I don't yeah. remember the actual date. Golden Age um, of Disney, yeah. Uh, but yeah, really yeah, and, wonderful and, short and film. Great e- even the short is like kind of expanded from the children's book, and then they turned it into yeah. a whole feature film with yeah. the cute animal sidekicks and all the rest. Yeah, I didn't see the feature film, but that short is lovely. That's a great pick. Uh, but the number one pick mm. is Promising Young Woman. Ooh. Uh, I don't know what it is about this movie, but I love it so much. I've watched it likely over 60 times wow. since it came out, often having entire days where I'll just hit play again once it's over. Carrie Mulligan is amazing, and I want her in everything ever. <laughs> I now know every beat of every scene, and yet I still laugh and cry and feel all those things as if I, I felt the first time. Writing this has compelled me to, to watch it again now. <laughs> uh, well, while I go do that, Lily. Uh, Lily, thank you so much yeah. for adding that perspective. That's really great. That's a really interesting list. Mm-hmm. Um, very eclectic list. Very eclectic, yeah. but I love it. I love, and I love that even though the to the outside observer, those films may all seem wildly disparate, mm. um, that they're all connecting with you on a particular yeah. level that speaks to you very specifically. This isn't like a random assortment, but you say they all feel yeah. you know kind of they're they're all hitting you similar ways. 
Uh, That's really interesting to hear, and I I love uh, lists like that. uh, Promising Young Woman has been a really curious case because it was really highly acclaimed when it first came out. Mm -hmm. And in recent years, a lot of people have been very strongly reassessing it. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot of people saying that it's not one of their least favorite movies, that they really hate the movie. Now. It's a very divisive like, film. It's no. clearly attempting something that is, in in the eyes of the filmmakers, a positive. You and I, I think, both rated it very highly yeah, the year it yeah, came yeah. out. Um, I still mostly think it's really interesting, but mm-hmm. I also appreciate that the conversation around it is probably more important than the film itself yeah. in some regards. But However, in, uh, there's a lot I admire about that movie, and I, I think I it is like, worth seeing. Yeah, I feel like, uh, and this is something that we don't see in a lot of modern criticism, how uh, films are responded to very emotionally. They're emotional mm-hmm. experiences. How did it make you feel? Yeah. Uh, and it's rare that we approach films from a, a purely cerebral experience. Mm-hmm. What kind of ideas did it give you? What kind of thoughts are on its mind? And that's always part of criticism, of course. Yeah. But I feel like uh, a Oftentimes film... it's a combination. I'm yeah. trying to explain intellectually mm. what I felt on a more yeah. like, perf- like personal, I, ineffable yeah. level. I, yeah. I feel like a film can... Uh, a film should, perhaps, be credited very highly for presenting... Uh, complex or intriguing ideas even if you're not connecting to it emotionally mm-hmm. and I, I think that's completely acceptable uh maybe yeah. that's just sort of my personal views as a critic yeah uh but i'd rather be stimulated in some way if it's not emotionally then i'd love to be mm-hmm. stimulated intellectually there, there are things that, I, yeah, that hit me really hard about that movie that i did think hit me in a positive way based on my personal experience with some of the elements mm-hmm. of the film however because it is about something that is so deeply difficult and emotional mm-hmm. and impactful and it's going to hit people with different experiences different ways mm-hmm. um, i think all the reactions to that movie are pretty fair yeah uh, positive and negative positive and negative very reasonable i've heard it oftentimes i'll see a movie that i think is great and i see some people decrying it and i read their reviews and i'm like yeah. i'm not convinced and then mm-hmm. sometimes i'll see a movie that i hated and other people really liked and i'll say i'm not convinced and sometimes i am mm. Uh, and in the case of Promising a Woman, I, I've heard really great work on both sides of that film, yeah. and even on the sides of it's just not that good. Like it's just it's just not worth it. I've it, and I think that is at the very least the work of a, an interesting work of art. Yeah, whether or not it is We're worth seeing, even if it's not going to, I think it's worth seeing. Yeah. I, again, it's it's not. Some people might want to avoid it based on the subject matter, and I totally get it. But I think it is definitely. Uh, an interesting and uh, uh, ambitious in mm. what it tries to tackle and how it tries to tackle it. Uh, and even if it does have failings, which, you know, not unreasonable to say it does, um, they're more interesting failings than a lot of other movies. Yeah. yeah so sure. um, so anyway, take that for what you will. Uh, I, I agree with everyone. Yeah. Everyone's opinion on Promising Woman is right, basically, <laughs> as near as I can tell. Because it's just that... That kind of a film. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what right. have you got next? Uh, here's a letter from Dr. Nova. We hear from Dr. Nova. Hey, Dr. Nova. Good to hear from uh, you. Hi, Bibbs and Whitney. I saw Violent Night. This is a movie ah, we haven't seen yet. I haven't seen um, it yet. It was fun, but more importantly, I have the final member of my Santa Claus team-up movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's going to be glorious. Here's how it turns out. The Santa Claus, the Tim Allen film, right. has a hidden clause in which... Which states that there are a lot more Santas. So Scott Calvin, the character from that movie, Uh. becomes the Nick Fury and brings together other Santas to fight Krampus. Yes. Starting with (laughs) Santa from Rise of the Guardians. 
Uh, Very good Santa. As the Iron Man. That's a very, very good Santa that is. Voiced by Alec Baldwin, weirdly enough. A good performance. Yeah, he's perfectly fine. Um, Next up we have the Santa from Violent Night. That's Black Widow. (laughs) Hulk is the Grinch. Is that technically a Santa? Okay, I'll I'll allow it. He dresses as a Santa, he gives the presents back. I'll allow it. It's fine. Uh, Thor is the Hogfather. Yes! (laughs) Yes! <laughs> or death, if you're... Uh, Great! Love it. If you're not familiar with Hogfather, Terry Pratchett novel uh, about uh, uh, death mm. has to fill in for Santa Claus, like the Grim Reaper does. Like Santa Claus has gone missing, and mm. the Grim... They have to go to another equally fantastical mm. character, and they find death, the one yeah. with the scythe. There's a really wonderful... The and gives out gifts. There's, there's a British TV miniseries they did uh, that is wonderful, that adapts and it. really accurate to the book. It's yeah, really, yeah. I mean, it, it would help if you read the books, but you don't have to. It's just fantastic. I love the pieces. Anyway, moving on. Uh, and uh, Captain America is Santa from Christmas Chronicles. I didn't see Christmas Chronicles. Oh, I like Christmas Chronicles. It's yeah, with uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, right? Kurt Russell's yeah. a really good Santa. I never saw the Christmas Chronicles 2. I heard it was fine. <clears> but <throat> uh, yeah, Christmas Chronicles 1 is really, really cute. Uh, yeah. Kids decide to stay up and see if they can... Uh, Catch Santa Claus on video. And it was clearly like intended to, I, I'll bet like the early draft was it was going to be a found footage thing about oh, kids, yeah, yeah. you know, being taken on a magical journey with Santa Claus. And they kind of dropped that after a while. Um, but uh, yeah, his sleigh goes down and he has to like, he ends up in jail and he has to like <laughs> perform a musical number with all the other inmates in order to distract the cop. It's a delight. Okay. Kurt Russell's really fun in that movie. Like, he's he's great. The movie's yeah. just okay. He's great. Anyway, uh, the question is, what other Santas would be great for my team? Ah, uh, Dr. Nova. Uh, funnily enough, I was just watching a video uh, from Allison Pregler um, about a failed TV series, maybe we should do next year, called Santas in the Barn. Santa's in the barn. Santa's in the barn. And the whole idea was it was a reality TV series about a whole bunch of people who play Santa. Did really different takes on Santa. Mm. Like a sexy Santa and a traditional old man Santa. Um, and um, yeah, they're all performing like different Santa-oriented challenges okay. in order to try to determine who the best Santa is. Someone's going to get kicked out of the barn every week. Uh, but the villain of the show apparently was the Krampus. And anytime some like chaos element came in, like, oh no, the Krampus brought in one of the earlier Santas who was booted off the show. Now we're stuck with him. It's like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you're, just, you're just ridiculous now. Um, other Santas to add to the list. Uh, I would add. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm not going to go too far with the Avengers analogy because I think right, the, just... that, that's kind of limiting. Uh, you go Arthur Christmas, but I would specifically pick the Hugh Laurie Santa. Was he the younger or the older Santa? He was, uh, so, so there's. If you've seen Arthur Christmas, wonderful movie from Ardman Animation. Uh, the oldest Santa Claus is played by Bill Nye. His son is the current Santa Claus, played by Jim Broadman, and he's on the verge of retirement. And he can't decide whether to leave the Santa business to his eldest son, voiced by Hugh Laurie, Mm. who is very uh, uh, organized, kind of militaristic in his uh, way he organizes the elves, or his youngest son, Arthur, who is less competent but has the spirit of the thing right. I would say you bring in Hugh Laurie. 
Okay. Uh, someone who, you know, is, is not destined to be Santa, but has, like, expertise to bring <laughs> to the uh, to the equation. Well, well, if we're talking about, like, uh, fighting off a monster, yeah. um, I-, I would get uh, the Santa from Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, because he has experience with robots and aliens and shit. He does! It, it never really, like, rubbed off on him, that experience, I think, terribly well. He's not, like, a battle-hardened Santa. Well, I kinda, he's, he kind of just, gla- just glanced off of him. Oh, you know who he got is Klaus. Oh, Klaus was the animated good, Klaus, yeah. the one voiced by uh, J.K. Simmons. That Klaus, Klaus will fuck some shit up. Klaus is a wonderful movie. That's a great way. movie. Yeah. We do not talk about that movie yeah. enough. That movie is an absolute delight. I'm trying to think of like other yeah. movie Santa Claus. I've seen a lot of Santa Claus movies without even trying. Like yeah. watching Santa Claus movies is are it's one of those things that kind of just drifts into your field of vision yeah, every I, every year. So. I, I asked you uh, not that long ago, you said you are going to spend time with your family and maybe watch some movies for fun, and I wasn't like, going to watch any Christmas movies, and you were like, you don't really do that. It, it's not... You don't have those Christmas movie traditions. No, we, we, yeah, we never, never sort of had the one film. For a few years there, um, I tried to watch The Nightmare Before Christmas on Halloween and on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, when I was in high school, and that, that sort of fell off after a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few we go back to. Uh, you know, we watched Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. We watched Garfield, uh, the comic strip stuff, because the funny mm-hmm. papers were important to us when we were kids. But yeah, uh, yeah we don't have like a movie we go to, uh, no. and especially no movies with Santa. Fair <laughs> enough. There, there, there aren't any movies with Santa that I'm like desperately fond of. Uh, I like the original Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I think yeah. that's a good movie. That's a good movie. Um, I'm very, I, I like Klaus I'm lot. very fond of Ernest Saves Christmas. It's not a particularly great movie, but it's hearts in the right place. It's a very sweet film. The, those first few Ernest movies, quite good. I, I will go to bat for Ernest. Ernest Saves Christmas and Ernest Goes to Jail. Uh-huh. Like, those are legitimately funny. Those movies. are the two that are good. I I think Ernest uh, uh, Scared Stupid uh-huh. is where this starts taking a downturn, but there's enough good stuff that it's still worth it. Okay. Um, then there was the fifth uh, theatrically released movie that nobody talks about called Ernest Rides Again. <laughs> yeah, and then that's that's where it started kind of understandably dipping. It, it, it was like Santa with muscles. That was the one with Hulk Hogan Santa as with Santa. muscles, William. Do tell. I'm just saying that was the one with Hulk Hogan as Santa. It's yeah. a big muscle. He can, now that's your Hulk. I, oh, there. You <laughs> I suppose if you're looking yeah. for uh, uh, like. Fighting violent Santas. Yeah. Oh, or or here's what you do. If you want that Santa who like used to be a bad guy and it still has like all those bad guy skills, mm-hmm. bad Santa. Oh, there you go. Yeah, get Willie. Yeah. You know, if he used to be a criminal, now he's uh he's still he's... an ass, but he's like on the side of the angels in like a suicide squad kind of way. Who, who's like the the asshole of the I mean they're all the asshole in the Avengers, but uh Oh yeah. Um, Star Lord, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, by the time Endgame rolls around, like pretty practically everyone's an Avenger, really. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know who's like the biggest. I mean, Iron Man really is the biggest <laughs> asshole they've got. Um, but there's plenty of he, he'd be the equivalent of the Guardians of the Galaxy character. Yeah, yeah, like the one who's like not a good person, but he'll do the right thing. Hmm. You know, like you could force him into it. Yeah, in that very uh, duck you sucker fistful of dynamite kind of way. As usual, my complaint about Guardians of the Galaxy is they aren't bad enough. I know. They need to be, like, really miserable people, so it means something when they turn good. I I don't disagree. I don't disagree. (laughs) Anyway, but uh, that's a fun fun idea. That's that's really cute. I like that. All right, we should move on. All the Santas. Yeah. 
Uh, let's see. Here's a letter from Lindsay. This is another sight and sound poll. Okay. It's mostly sight and sound polls still. Yeah. So, uh, we want to mix up a little bit, but we will read your sight and sound polls. But here's, here's a letter from Lindsay. Um, uh, howdy, Bibbs and Whitney, my favorite movie critics. Oh, push. Nonsense. Uh, if it's not too late, I'd like to throw my hat into the ring and to speak and share my 2022 sight and sound poll. I will keep this exceptionally brief. My only rule was that I didn't want to repeat anything I'd put on a previous top 10 list I had made in my 20s. Okay. As it turns out, that, uh, that was not difficult as my taste in films was not especially consistent at the time. Yeah, it's your taste evolves over time. Going into someone's top ten list uh, when they're just discovering cinema is a really mm. interesting time. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff is like oh, I just saw like a whole bunch of the movies that are considered the best movies ever made for the first time. Yeah, like all yeah. they're, but, they're, but they like have a, time a, to marinate. It's you know? a mix of that one and like maybe some brand new movies that yeah. they just seen and like some really fun like films that they had been carrying I, around since they were a kid. I wish I could track down some of like the many notebooks I had as a kid where I would like write lists of the best movies I'd ever seen yeah, at that yeah. point or the movies I really like wanted a, to watch to catch. Evil up Dead on. Two will never be off my list, so I got to put <laughs> Evil Dead Two. Yeah, that kind of God, stuff. Well, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, it'd be fun. It'd be fun to look at. Anyway. Right, here's the list, uh, and it's presented uh, in uh, alphabetical order. Okay. Uh, Citizen Kane. Yep. Yeah, I love that movie because it's Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the right answer. Uh, Frankenstein, 1931. Ah, uh, perhaps the film. pinnacle of early horror. It's uh, equally haunting and tragic. Very great film. Uh, Get Out, 2017. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Peele's directorial debut sent shockwaves throughout the film industry and deserves instant classic status. I don't disagree. I love that uh, movie to pieces. Godzilla, 1954. Yes. This has been described perfectly uh, well by folks smarter than I. It's a classic. When people refer to Godzilla, mm. I'm uh, always curious as if they mean Gojira, the original Japanese version. Or, or the, the American or version. the American with, version. With Godzilla Raymond Burr. Of with Raymond Burr. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think I mean, it's something, I think people sometimes use them interchangeably. Mm. I don't think everyone's necessarily hyper aware the of the difference. The Japanese version is much better. I yes. feel like the Godzilla series started to hit its stride as like, enjoyable matinee monster movies a little later in the series. It, I think by the time Godzilla was fighting King Kong, yeah. that's when it, that's when the like tone Godzilla, Godzilla stopped being yeah. somber, or at least sober. Yeah, Godzilla's really yeah. somber. Godzilla Raids Again is somber, but like just cheap now. Yeah. Uh, and the, I think Kong was the third one, right? And yeah, Kong was, yeah. I think by the, it's, it's, it's kind of like when you finally hit like Goldfinger. That's when yeah, the James Bond yeah. movies go from spy movies with a few weird elements to, okay, now we're just taking the piss, aren't we? Yeah. Um, there's there's a, a really wonderful defining moment in King Kong versus Godzilla where uh, they've gone to an island where there are giant, <laughs> giant monsters sort of lurking around and the human characters are like sleeping in tents and uh, one guy's sleeping in a tent and another character enters and, and like starts bustling around and picking up a lot of things uh-huh. and he says what's going on he says giant octopus let's go. I was like, oh shit! And you go outside, and yeah, it's like close up photography of an octopus, and they yeah. have like superimpose little people in front of it. It's magic. <laughs> I know, but the original uh, Gojira is a great pick. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, uh, next up, Halloween in 1978. Okay. John Carpenter deserves flowers mm. as a master of filmmaking craft, with Halloween being my favorite of his works. It's it's a practically flawless <laughs> film, really. Like, if I, find a meaningful flaw in that movie, I dare you. Uh, it's not Illinois. It is Southern California. <laughs> That's, I said meaningful. <laughs> being able to, like, being able to... That's after, more like a continuity. Well, because, and, and, and honestly, I don't even think most people even notice it the first time they watch it. Mm. You're kind of caught up in the characters and the situations that yeah, they're in. Yeah. It's the second or third time you watch it that you realize that if you look there's, far off in the distance, you can see a palm, palm tree. trees, yeah. But you don't notice that because it's, there's a st- storytelling so yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, The Matrix, 1999, mm. my favorite Wachowskis film, but I argue it is their most significant. The Matrix changed the landscape of action films forever. Oh, it says not my favorite Wachowski. Ah, yes. Um, 
Paris is Burning, 1990. Hey. Uh, my favorite film at the moment. This wonderful documentary tells the triumphs and tragedies of the ballroom scene in the late 1980s. Oh, I saw that for the first time recently. It Same. is wonderful. We did a podcast about it. It was really interesting. Uh, one of my favorites, Persona, 1966. Awesome. Uh, as populist as most of my list is, I can still get down with esoteric artsy films with the best <laughs> of the snobs. Uh, Princess Mononoke in 1987. <sighs> I'm the only person who likes... Uh, Nausicaa the most of the Miyazaka, oh. Miyazaki oeuvre. I chose Mononoke over that, how uh, Totoro or Spirited Away, because I believe it represents the moment in history where the dam finally broke and Western audiences started to consider anime like never before. Uh, uh, it was around that time. I don't know if we can put all of that on Mononoke, but it was about that time. Uh, it, yeah. there, there was there was a, like sort of a fulcrum point. Anime yeah. kind of first... You can see, like, different doors opening, uh, if yeah. you trace uh, the think, way anime was accepted in the United States. Yeah, I, I think I think if, if we're going to put, like, a, a, a picture... Like, for example, to use an analogy a lot of people would, would know. Um, what was the film... Because there were superhero movies since, like, the 40s. But, like, what was the film... Or actually, since the silent era, sorry. Uh, but what was the film that kind of broke superhero movies mm. open? And you, there's a couple of different arguments to be made. Yeah, you could say it was Blade. Mm. You could it, at the turn of the century. I mean, mm. you could say it was Blade. You could say it was X Men. Uh, you could Spider-Man. say it was Spider Man. It, it's probably one of those. It's probably a combination of all three because yeah. they all did different things for sort of quote unquote legitimizing the genre. But you could also make an argument that it was all three of them together. Mm. Very different films. Very different takes on the genre that all did well. So I think Mononoke is one of those films, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm old enough to remember when it was like Astro Boy and Gigantor, like those sure. things were, and, and Speed Racer, like yeah. those kinds of shows were making their way onto Saturday morning TV. Uh, in the late 80s, uh, we had an influx of stuff like Akira yeah, and Vampire Ak- Hunter Ak- D. Akira was a big moment for yeah. uh, for anime in the United States. And yeah, Mononoke was sort of like that generation. Yeah. kind of Around the, the time over. Mononoke was coming out, Perfect Blue was coming out, and certainly by the time Spirited Away came out, mm-hmm. I think at that point it was like, there's no going back. This is a part of the landscape yeah. now. Yeah. And, it sh- and it should have been for a long yeah. time. And, uh, and finally, uh, You Were Never Really Here. Lynn Ramsey's emotional oh, thriller God, captures the feeling of soul-rotting depression oh. in a way that no film I've seen has ever come close to achieving. That yeah. is like a, a beautiful and sadly very relatable ending. Um, oh my god, the ending of that movie yeah. is one of my favorite movie mm. endings just ever. Yeah. Just ever. It's so... Go- I have had days like that. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. Yeah. I, that movie is about very specific things that mercifully I don't have pers- first-hand experience with, but the emotional core of that movie... Mm. Uh, is just, it, it? It felt like Lynn Ramsey knew me, yeah. and like oh. that's that was rough, man. But yeah. powerful, powerful. I, I wish she'd make more movies. Me too. She was gonna make. Why the, are we whispering? We want yeah. her to hear this, Lynn. Well, <laughs> if you're listening, listening, work, work more. What Please, was, more movies. What, what was she working on that she walked off? Of? Oh, was that, uh, was that Jane the, Got a Gun, the Natalie right, Portman movie? Yeah. yeah, she was about. She was making a, a western with Natalie Portman, and I don't really know the full details of it. I don't know if it's creative differences or what, but they were on set and she walked off. Yeah, she just left. She just left. She was like, no, nah, I'm not doing this shit anymore. And they got, was it Gavin Hood or Gavin, Gavin O'Connor? Gavin, well, one of those. I, I, think, it was Gavin, I think it was Gavin O'Connor. Right. But like, yeah, they got they got one of the Gavins uh, to replace her. And then the movie came and went and everyone was like, it's fine. <laughs> I actually never even saw it. <laughs> oh, I, I saw it. It's kind of, okay. kind of forgettable. But, anyway, I, but yeah, I love Lynn Ramsey. Brilliant yeah. filmmaker. Lynn Ramsey was attached at one point to do The Lovely Bones. The oh, one, I would have killed the, to see that the version. That, that Peter Jackson eventually did. And Very that strange. Is, that is a... That is a 
piece of shit that movie. I've been meaning to revisit that because I remember being kinder to that movie than a lot of other people, and and in retrospect, I can't imagine why. Yeah. I think I just think thought thought some of the performances were good. I mean, God knows, well, Tucci, Tucci, Tucci was fun. Tucci's creepy as, as shit villain, in that movie. Though, yeah. yeah, he's terrifying. He plays in that a film. serial killer. In that That's movie, like the only really film scary. he's ever been Oscar nominated for. Yeah. You're, you're that shaman girl. Like he's oh, like playing so this, this like weird. evil yeah. Jimmy Stewart character. But anyway, anyway, yeah. But that's a great list, and yeah. I and like uh, how much horror is on that list. Is there any more to that list? Uh, well, it says that's my ten, but please indulge me one runner up to ah. uh, that pained me to cut. But the breadwinner, also from 2017, great movie, needs to be in the conversation as one of the best animated films, mainly because I love it to pieces. Mm-hmm. Thanks again for indulging me. Best regards, Lindsay. Breadwinner is an absolutely incredible movie. Please see that if you haven't already. Um, I love how many horror films are on that list. Yeah, and I was thinking actually, like. Because, I mean, a few horror movies made the sight and sound top 100. And eventually we'll find out more of the movies that got nominated and, and so forth. I can't wait. Mm. Um, so, but a few horror movies made it. The Shining made it onto the top 100. Get Out mm. made it into the top 100. I think one or two more. But it wasn't a lot of horror. And I would love, especially for, like, if we did this for, like, horror filmmakers and critics who focus on the horror industry... Uh, the, on the horror side of things, mm-hmm. and there's quite a few critics who make it, who make it, if not their sole focus, at least their speciality. And uh, I'm one of them. Um, I would love to do like a fright and sound poll. <laughs> where we just focus on films of horror or horror adjacent, yeah. uh, and just like what are like what, what would that level of attention? Get, try to get that like a thousand people if you can. Mm. If we had that level of intense consideration. What would that top 100 look like? I would love to see it. Well, they, there, there is kind of that list uh, that the AFI did. Remember they did the 100 uh, But that movies. was that was like 100 thrills. There was like there was a lot they, of stuff they, in there that wasn't that, specifically that one horror. was like 100 screams. I, I think they did do a, like an actual horror based list at one point. A that Those, would be A even if they did that it would be outdated. But let me take a look. Uh, I mean it, yeah, it would be 20 years old at this point, but um uh also, those AFI lists tend mm-hmm. to skew just... Well, they're American. They're, they're, in fact, it's actually a specific limitation where they yeah, had it, to be it American. Ha- it has to be specifically American. And, yeah. Um, and yeah, they tend to be, like, pretty populist. Like, they're clearly going for mm-hmm. a certain kind of posterity. Like, yeah. here's the ones that everyone can sort of agree on. And yeah. Okay, here, that, here's... That's less interesting to read for me. They, they, here's what the mm-hmm. AFI did. They did 100 movies. They did the 100 stars... Mm. They did 100 laughs. Aww. They did 100 thrills, and that's what you're thinking of. And that included like action movies and stuff too. Uh, oh. Then they had 100 passions, 100 heroes and villains, 50 of each. 100 songs, 100 right. movie quotes. Only 25 oh. scores, which feels lazy to me. Uh, 100. I hate, I hate that quotes. Uh-huh. It's like a quote is meaningless out of its context. Well, that's not strictly true, but uh, your point not, is well but taken. The, the point is yeah. anyway. It's anyway, anyway it's, it's, some some quotes become a thing mm. um let's see 100 songs 100 movie quotes 25 scores lazy 100 cheers the which hell is, is that uh, crowd pleasers i guess there, I there's a, there's only seven bring it on movies the most inspiring movies that's what the yeah. idea was supposed to be uh and then the top 25 musicals again lazy and then they did a 100 uh movies updated list in 2007 uh right. let's take a look at real fast just because oh, I, I could have sworn there was a screams but i guess yeah. I, I, uh the thrill thrill thrills leans one. horror like yeah. for example the top five and this was in uh like, 2001 so okay. very dated 
uh, the top five was well, number five was Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Number four was North by Northwest, not a horror movie by any stretch. Yeah. Uh, number three was The Exorcist. Number two was Jaws. Number one was Psycho. Other mm-hmm. other non horror films that ranked very very highly include The French Connection, Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Godfather, which I think that's a stretch. <laughs> How's that a thriller? I don't. I get people got, got shot at. It, I suppose, a, but yeah, but that's like two percent of the movie. <laughs> uh, Bonnie and Clyde. It's not, uh, not an action film either. Chinatown, not, it's an, not an action not film even, either. There's no thrills in Chinatown. It's a detective movie. <laughs> like, there are some detective movies with thrills. Chinatown is not one I would say has thrills. Uh, let's see. Vertigo is on the edge. Great Escape. Mm. High Noon. Great. great uh, Taxi Driver is on the I'll, edge. I'll give them Great Escape because that's actually like very. It's structured like an action film. Well, I mean, it's got thrills, but again, you're 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 putting uh, it up uh, against horror movies. These are like you're you're putting Lawrence of Arabia, which is, came in at number twenty three. Up against As a thriller. Up against the Maltese Falcon, Star Wars, Fatal Attraction, and The Shining. They're just choosing anything. These are just kind of genre e films. Yeah. Like no, I think there should be one that's Fatal actually dedicated to horror. I think it would be uh. interesting that people who make horror a huge part of their business or their expertise, mm. uh, and hopefully it's as diverse a, a net as we can as we can cast, uh, and just do the sight and sound thing. Everyone gets a top ten. You can decide the criteria for yourself. We we post them all like why not? I would love to see it just focused on that one genre because it's kind of underrepresented. Okay. Anyway, yeah. I think it'd be cool, but whatever. Frighten sound pole, make a trend. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag on Hive. Um, <laughs> yes, because Hive is still around. Hive Hive is working for me. Hive is uh, working, but it's also I think it's being taken off of Apple, and it's not it's not going to be a thing. With that few oh, people invested, it's sorry, man. It's a, it's. But the I way. like it. I like. I know Hive. you like, I like it. Hive, I like Hive. I like it too. It's just if no, yeah. if it's not going to. Whatever. Anyway, we're off in the weeds. Like it a little more than Mastodon. Let's read another Uh, letter. Here's another letter. This one comes from Ivan. Hello, Ivan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dear Bibbs and Rockmeister McNuggets. (laughs) I'll take McNuggets. Um, I'm a longtime listener, but I've only emailed once or twice. Sorry for the long email, and thank you for making me a much more thoughtful watcher of cinema and TV. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you. And uh, And don't worry about the length. Let's do it. I'll just read it anyway. I have something on my mind. I've had something on my mind for a long time regarding how certain films are received better than others just because they are part of a franchise. Mm. Uh, The MCU is a good example. They have over 25 films. They actually have 30 as of this year. Uh, And some are quite good, uh, but some, like Spider man far from home and the second doctor strange boy that was a mess or iron man 2 are very open to criticism from several angles but they still have 90 percent, 74 and 71 percent approval ratings on rotten tomatoes those are respectable numbers uh but it's odd that a very that very flawed films coast mostly unscathed while eternals trying to go on a different note is clobbered by critics and audiences alike Mm. for the record you really liked eternals i dug eternals yeah Yeah, that there's like fun like like Richard Matheson type sci-fi <laughs> ideas in that one. I really yeah, like it. I don't dislike it, but you really like it a lot. Yeah. It's I appreciate, one of my favorite of that series. I appreciate anyway. what it's trying to do. I don't always think the execution works, but anyway. Well, I, I think the issue with that movie is all the superhero stuff, like yeah, all agree. the action stuff and the supervillain. Yeah. All that stuff's around, not interesting. And that's a lot of the movie. So you have to wait around. It's like, it's like watching Chloe Zhao fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just watching Chloe Zhao fight the interesting things in the movie. And every time she succeeds, you want to like get up and applaud. Like, yeah, yeah something weird. Thank you. <laughs> um, 
continuing, it's yes. like us seeing, uh, quote, our favorite heroes basically doing the same thing again with basic competence is more uh, is more than okay to say that the film is good. Mm. Uh, Aquaman is not perfect by any means, or even great, but I find it huge in its scope, much bigger than Justice League, funnily enough, mm. with good photography and with some exceptions, good action. If Aquaman was preceded by better films, would it have a better score uh, than its 65% approval rate? I, I don't... Eh. want to put too much stock in those approval we'll, ratings. We'll talk but, about those approval ratings. I, 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 under, I understand what you're getting at. I understand what you're getting at. We'll, we'll, we'll mention briefly how, how Rotten Tomatoes approaches that and why yeah. we don't put um, a lot of stock in that. But we'll, we'll, we'll wait. Do expectations and comfort from what we know affect our watching even in the case of professionals? Mm. I feel that swinging for the fences is more valuable even when done imperfectly. I agree. Uh, better than by the numbers competence. Cough, green book, cough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to know your take of this. And there's more to this, but let's stop and, and let's let's, let's focus on today. this part. Um, for the <clears throat> To answer your question, uh, do even professionals get carried away by their fondness for something? Yes. We're, uh, we're people. We have taste. Yeah, and, and this is yeah. something, and you didn't mention this, but other people put it this way, and so I'll, I'll try to nip this in the bud. Uh, there is no objectivity when it comes to criticism. Um, you want to try to not get carried away mm. with your subjectivity. You want to actually you know, consider the whole film and not just... Uh, your pre-existing bias towards oh I really like Spider-Man or oh I really don't like Westerns or whatever um, but no it, 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 what we're into before we see the movie mm-hmm. uh, matters and indeed filmmakers are banking on that when filmmakers especially people who are maybe working within a genre mm-hmm. uh, and they're playing within the confines of that genre they expect their audience to be fans of that genre. Like Scream expects you to know a little bit about horror movies. Superhero movies, Marvel stuff, expects you to be familiar with the other Marvel movies and they're trying to play off of that at that point. That's part of the filmmaking process for better or worse. I feel like that's something that's really increased since a movie like Scream. Well, since the internet. Mm. The internet cracked it all open where um, understanding uh, details about a movie and Mm. obsessing about details of a movie could now be disseminated much more quickly. Yeah. And there was a... the idea of like a consensus opinion started mm. to sort of form around and then something like Rotten Tomatoes comes along puts a number on that consensus and mm-hmm. it feels like there's a now a f- an objective fact about the movie when really that's not the case no in fact that uh, number is is usually very misleading you say a movie got a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes that doesn't mean it's 71% good I'm not saying you were saying that but some people do yeah. think that it doesn't mean the movie is 71% good it just means 71% of critics could be convinced to give it at least a passing grade yeah I give it a, yeah. a thumbs up essentially yeah if it's, if it's thumbs up or thumbs down which again yeah. we're not allowed to use because it's that's proprietary but uh if it was a yay or a nay yay mm-hmm. like it, it doesn't even have to be passionate Just or enthusiastic pass, yeah. and again when you're working with which what marvel mostly does which is light entertainments well, all the uh, yeah, uh, audience pleasing entertainment yeah, they're all, trying to reach a broad audience that's all they're really trying to accomplish in most of their movies a few exceptions aside uh ergo if all you're trying to do is be baseline entertaining and you're baseline entertaining, a lot of critics are perfectly willing to go, so it's fine. That's fine, and they, yeah. give, they give it a positive score, and yeah. wouldn't you know it, 95% of the critics it reached... Thought it, it was fine. Thought it was fine, and that a, a few might be might be yeah. genuinely in love with it, but mostly it's fine. But then you'll get something like Eternals, mm-hmm. which is trying to do something ambitious, and... I think we both agree that it, the the failings of that movie are kind of it fighting within to exist within the Marvel framework, mm. um, you know, to to give audiences what they expect from that, and as a result, its ambition probably led some people, even people who might be uh, 
uh, interested in mm. the fact that it's taking big swings. Some people might be forced to say to themselves, it takes big swings, but I don't think it's entirely successful, and mm. so I'm going to give it a slightly un- not-passing grade. Yeah, And that can be a thing, too. It's not necessarily everyone was like adamantly against it. Some mm-hmm. people just thought it was something they tried something and it didn't yeah. quite work. So, so yeah, uh, always take those the scores with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. They've been wielded very badly for a long time by a lot of people who use the numbers in very bad faith as if they're, they're trying to prove something with mm-hmm. those numbers. Uh, take them as general guidelines. Yeah. I, I write about a, a lot of movies and I do actually go to Rotten Tomatoes a lot. Saying, like, how was this critically received? Well, yeah. it has a 57% approval rating. Yeah. That so gives you mixed. a general sense of the act- general attitude to that yeah. movie. If something has a 6% approval rating, you can be pretty sure most critics didn't like that movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, it goes from film to film. You go to something like the Marvel films, 400 critics are going to review that. You also go to a little, little teeny tiny movie, 50 critics are going to review there, that one. There are movies uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, not unprominent movies, not like movies that are like entirely obscure, but because they came out a long time ago, for example, mm-hmm. they didn't do a lot of bother like digging up old reviews for it, or uh, Rotten Tomatoes approved critics haven't re-reviewed it in a while. There are like not insignificant movies that might only have like 10 reviews on there. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not actually a huge cross-section for every single film. Mm. So... Yeah. So that has to be taken into account you have as to well. Get that, yeah. Uh, yeah, so if, if Rotten Tomatoes also does this, they allow critics if they want to. Uh, and here's the way it works with critics on Rotten Tomatoes, and we've, we've gone over this before. You submit it yourself or your editor submits it. Yeah. Uh, and you get to choose whether that counts as fresh or rotten. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's, usually it's pretty clear. You know mm-hmm. what you mean. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes, sometimes it's yeah, mixed. Sometimes you're, you're a little. It's just bit mixed. genuinely mixed. There've been a couple of times where I've had to talk mm-hmm. to my editor. Is this overall positive or negative? Like even I don't know. It's yeah. just, it's a mixed bag movie, kind of by definition. So, and I couldn't yeah. decide if it was rotten or fresh because I don't think it actually fit that binary. Yeah. So uh, we, but we have to choose. That, At some point, you have, to choose. you have to choose. It, it's it gotta be push comes to shove. Do you recommend hand. someone go see it or not? Yeah. Uh, sure, I guess. Or yeah. eh, not really. So yeah, sure, sure, I guess can be a fresh rating, and uh, uh, and we also get to choose a rating if we want to. Like mm. if your it, website it, or publication yeah, does like a letter grade, four, or, so, four yeah. stars or letter grade, or to out of scale of ten, whatever you're doing. Yeah, and Rotten Tomatoes will take whoever does that. And try to turn that into sort of like a, a, a general percentage below the percentage score. Yeah. Uh, meaning but, like it, 95% of critics liked it, but on average they gave it like a 6.7 out of 10. Yeah. And again, that's really imprecise because <laughs> not everyone even does that. Yeah. So it's it's really uh, kind of dangerous to start referring to those as like some sort of like immutable fact about these movies. But uh, you can get a general impression though. Your, your letter, however, was about uh, bias and yeah, Yeah. you already said it. We, we critics, of course we have biases. We're people and we have the things we like and we have the things we don't like. But uh, if you think of um, film criticism and compare it to something like food criticism, Mm. you're going to have your favorite foods, right? Yeah. When you eat a meal, you're going to have to assess the flavors that are being given you. Yes. Uh, whether or, uh, or not it's your favorite. This has a certain kind of... You understand what the chef is trying to do, mm-hmm. the kind of textures they're you trying to get. You know enough about food to understand how they achieved this or yeah. what they did that didn't work so for you. Th- yeah. this, this is very impressive, but I might not ever order this for myself because this is yes. not my favorite kind of food. Indeed. Uh, meanwhile, you might go home and eat something very, very simple. Uh, sure, we I'm all gonna, do. I'm just going to have a, a, two pieces of bread with Cheez-Its in the middle. That's what I'm going to have for dinner. Uh, really? Really? 
I've done that at parties before uh, when I was a kid. Was it exciting? Were people thrilled by this party trick you were doing? No, it was. I, I've never eaten meat. I like gave up on meat when I was around age seven. And yeah. I would go to barbecues and all they had was hot dogs. So I just like uh, stu- you take the bread, stuff and the bun with like the snacks, like chips and cheese. That's all, right, like that. all right, fair enough. And it tastes like any condiments chips on that or just oh just god, dry? no, I'm not okay. disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> But in any case, you're right. And yeah, what uh, what is important for a critic isn't that isn't to not have any preconceived taste, because we're bringing our taste to it. Mm. Uh, what's important is that a critic be aware of their taste and, and a, that and they explain their taste. We, that's our, that's the point. Is just mm. to be able to explain why we feel the way we feel. And if we're bringing something to it, oh, I have a deep personal connection to Spider Man. It was very formative for me growing up. That kind of thing. Uh, that's going to affect your review of a Spider-Man movie and is it behooves you to make sure that your audience, reader, listener, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, is aware of that so that they can factor that in when they hear your overall analysis of the film. This is coming from someone who has a very deep personal connection to the character or feels like they do, very particular ideas mm-hmm. perhaps about what that character is yeah. and what they represent, and something maybe that defies that might not be something that interests them, even if that is good. Yeah. Well, and, and I think a lot of the what you're talking about, uh, Yvonne, in your letter is... Um, to go to back to the, that notion of consensus, consensus opinion, I think the idea about these characters is um, there's an assumption that we all feel the same way about them. So mm. yeah, um, oh, everyone's yeah. a Marvel fan. Uh, every, everyone likes these movies. Yeah. So everyone likes pro- Star Wars. So we have to yeah. you know, review that on that case that everybody is definitely liking this going in. So yeah. let's only talk about it in glowing terms and that's that's mm-hmm. a big issue as well there's there's a, being there's, more forgiving i think some critics are in that regard but I've, i'm not going to point fingers have you ever had and i'm I, I know the answer to this but for the sake of starting the conversation have you ever had uh people complain that you reviewed something that you weren't a fan of yes yes yeah. i have um, like I, oh why, I why are that. we letting someone who isn't who didn't watch the tv show review this movie based on a tv show yeah very, uh, very specifically i reviewed uh, veronica mars the movie oh yeah, yeah without yeah. having seen a single episode of the tv show yeah and uh and that was a kickstarter project like that mm-hmm. was funded by fans yeah the show uh, the show was canceled before its time i was a huge fan of the show uh and they'd always wanted to continue it in some way and they mm-hmm. it's a relatively inexpensive detective show yeah easy enough to do as a low budget feature so they were able to raise money with through kickstarter and so the fans were very excited to see it i didn't contribute to the kickstarter because it was poor <laughs> but i was excited to see the movie and i as a fan of veronica mars that movie sucks well, and, and it's I, not a very well-made movie and I, and I wasn't a fan of veronica mars yeah. so i addressed the things that i thought sucked about the movie because yeah. it's really shoddy filmmaking it's clearly shot really cheap to, mm-hmm. to the point where it affects like the yeah. enjoyment of the movie it doesn't do a good um, job of introducing the characters, yeah, the characters especially, sort of especially like the pre-existing flow, yeah, ones sort of yeah. float in and you know so yeah, the, the, I, I honestly forget what the central mystery is i think like logan's wife was killed or something something like that yeah, yeah. weird it's okay. been a while well, yeah i saw it in theaters it's been a while yeah but yeah i, I wrote a review of that one and i wrote it and this was my era. I wrote it for a website called Nerdist, ah. which was like for fans. Like fans were coming yeah. there to see what other fans saw. And I was like, oh, I'm not a fan of Veronica Mars. And I got a lot of shaken fists at me. How dare you? We don't want yeah. to hear your your thoughts on that. And I think that's ridiculous. I think you want to hear as many thoughts as you can possibly get. Yeah. Well, here, here's my thoughts on, you know, as, as a fan of cinema... Here's what. Yeah. Here's how it fails as a work, piece of cinema. I can't speak yeah. to the way it fails as a work of Veronica Mars. 
Yeah, but yeah, people... and that's perfectly valid. That's going to be someone's first introduction to something. Yeah. So uh... I remember, a, I, I remember a comic book writer editor once wrote a thing, and they were talking about how when you're writing comics, mm-hmm. the serialized narrative that can go on for decades, you have to assume that every comic might be someone's first. So you have to introduce certain elements you, again. You right? have to make sure that if you've never read a con- an issue of West Coast Avengers or Deathstroke the Terminator or whatever the fuck you're writing, <laughs> whether it's famous like Superman or really esoteric and weird like mm. Rocket Raccoon who had his own miniseries, uh, you, you want to make sure that they can pick it up and enjoy it. And step in in the middle of a story. Yeah, and like, yeah. They'll, they'll be, we get it. I'm not like, I'm, I'm not, you know... Being obtuse, I understand that there's stuff I'm missing. I haven't read. I'm reading, I'm reading Detective Comics number 800. I realize I've missed 799 issues and all the other Batman comics. But I should be able to read this comic mm. and get something out of it. Yeah. And hopefully enjoy it. And maybe it'll make, And ideally, you want people to be able to jump in in the middle mm. and then want to see more. I think one of the best things that Veronica Mars movie could have done is be a great movie in a vacuum so that people who didn't know Veronica Mars, that would be a good introduction for them. Yeah, yeah. And then they'd and, want to go back and, and that, rewatch yeah, the show. That movie doesn't do that. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It's not very... like I, I always loved yeah. in comic books when somebody like pulled out a weapon, here's my super blasterizer, and there'll be a little star in, next yeah. to the dialogue, and they'll say, like, see issue 147. It's, yeah. like, it's like annotating itself Those as it goes. Were fun. Yeah. Those were fun. I don't know how it works. I don't, I don't really do a lot of digital comics. There was a time when you got a lot of those asterisks that was just like, you know, uh, yes, uh, he met Silver, uh, Spider-Man met Silver Surfer in Amazing Spider-Man number 257 or something like that. <laughs> and then, so you'd want to go f- read Spider-Man 257 that was encouraging you to find back issues or something. Yeah. And uh, now that everything's digital, I wonder if those are the hyperlinks and you can just click on that. Oh, maybe so. I would I would hope so, because yeah. that'd be a great way to get people to read, you know, other comics. Yeah, outside. Re- read this comic, click here, and you just open that, that comic. That, that's yeah. how I started. I wasn't into, we're off in the weeds on this quickly. Um, I didn't use There's to more read this letter too. I know, I know. Yeah. That's why I want to finish this quickly. But I, I didn't used to read DC comics uh, when I was a kid. I read the occasional Batman, but I was really into Marvel. I was my universe, and it was hard to keep track of two universes at once when you're yeah. a kid, especially when your parents only buy you so many comics. When I was an adult, it was a crossover series called Identity Crisis, uh, which has a lot of problems actually. But it was a big deal when it came out, and it was a story that could have that kind of stood alone. You didn't need to read any other comics in order to get the gist of it, but it did have tie-in stuff with the characters who would show up in Identity Crisis, and I wanted to read more, and what they did a great job of was, okay, so here's this Flash villain who's suddenly really important in this like crossover miniseries that stands on its own. I can read this issue of The Flash to find out more about that character, and they did such a good job of telling that Flash comic in such a way that I also know what else is going on in The Flash right now, and I want to read what else is happening in The Flash right now, that I kept reading it after I, the, the crossover was over. Yeah. That's how it works. That's what you want it to do. So, yeah. Anyway. But let's continue the letter, please. Anyway, uh, the the second part of this letter uh-huh. is his top ten list. So, <laughs> it's... Uh, let's do it! It, it, he kind of snuck it in on us. Ah, here, no, here's, here's Yvonne's top 10. Uh, I'll keep the commentary to a minimum and not to break the recent trend. I'll say that I'm 30 and my movie knowledge is nowhere near I, where I want it to be. Never is. It's never going Mine to be. Mine isn't but, either, um, okay? Um, uh, on to my top 10 ever list. I'll be uh, uh, number one. Yeah. Uh, see, maybe I should count from the bottom up. That'd be interesting. Okay, count from the bottom up. Uh, you know what? I'll just read it the way he wrote it. Okay. Uh, number one is Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, I've seen the original. The animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my favorite movie, efficient but never rushed, gorgeous, profound. Although he doesn't distinguish, so it could be either. Um, Mm -hmm. The rest in no order. 
uh, The Playhouse, starring Buster Keaton. Oh, um, wow. The Rosetta Stone of physical comedy. It made me cry, cry and laugh seeing it all. Love those movies. It kind of unlock yeah. cinema history. All, all of a sudden, you see where a lot of stuff came from, yeah. Uh, Get Out, another vote for Get Out. Great uh, movie. Left Me Breathless. Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. Funny and Smart, my favorite Kubrick. Uh, uh, Mad Max, so well. Fury Road, maybe yeah. the most exciting film ever. Spirited Away, like another that. entire universe filled with every emotion conjured with such ease. Uh, the Godfather, yep. nearly perfect. Wonderful. The French Dispatch. Interesting uh, the choice. Wes Anderson the Wes Anderson film. Oh, that's that's uh, a bold choice for a recent yeah, film. Yeah, I, I don't know anyone who picked that. I, I I don't know why people were so down on the French Dispatch. I love. I wasn't uh, down on it. It just wasn't my favorite Wes Anderson. But it's yeah, it's yeah. good. Uh, yeah. It's really I really like that one. Uh, it explores the possibilities of cinema and shows cinema deconstructed at the same time. My first thought after I watched it was, "This is winning everything, right?" And then, <laughs> and then it didn't even get buzz, and I've been confused ever since. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, Drunken Master Two. Yes, I love martial arts films, and this one is a treat. That is one of the very, very best, some of the best kung fu choreography you're ever going to see. Uh, Little Women, the 2019 film. Oh. Instant classic, great acting, almost no flaws. I, I love that. that. I think that movie is pretty much perfect. And and this is coming from someone who likes, who thinks other Little Women adaptations who do it very differently are also pretty much perfect. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen two Little Women's. You've uh, seen the 30s one. The 30s one and the 2019 version. And they're both I great. I haven't seen the, the Gillian Anderson version. Uh, Gillian Armstrong. Or Jill, excuse me, Jill, Jillian Anderson played Dennis Scully. Jillian yeah. Armstrong. Version. Yeah, Jillian Armstrong's 1990s version of Little Women is pretty impeccable. Uh, and I, it's been so long since I've seen the Elizabeth Taylor version that I really need to rewatch it. I would say you that. didn't see it because I saw it when for, I was a kid, but I, I don't recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't think I rewatched it like uh, from from. The, I, I it was I'd seen it more recently at the time. Now it seems a little hazier, man. and I need to rewatch it. Uh, Little Women, and then I also considered My Neighbor Totoro, Arrival, mm-hmm. Blade Runner, yeah. The Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. Twelve Angry Men, Starship Troopers, and District Nine. Those were like the runners. Out. Okay, fair enough. Uh, best wishes from Venezuela. Thank you. Yvonne. Uh, P.S. I recently met who I'm pretty sure is the love of my life. Basically started dating after the second time we ever saw each other. Aww. Uh, she is your equivalent of an English major, a photographer, and a news producer. Wow. And my hundreds of hours listening to you guys talk about cinema and TV apparently have made me knowledgeable enough to be interesting <laughs> while, while trying to keep up with her. Pretty sure it wasn't my incessant tries to engage <laughs> about Pokemon and Harry Potter. <laughs> so a very big thank you to my brothers in art. Um, well, I, I, I refuse to take credit for any of we, that. We cannot take credit for that, uh, but but thank you for the lovely yeah. compliment and congratulations on meeting someone you there, care about so much. That's great. There is a wonderful speech in uh, the film adaptation of High Fidelity mm. uh, where he's talking about what it takes to... Uh, to talk to somebody, to break the ice, yeah, and to be be an interesting person for someone you might be attracted to, yeah. And his credo was, "It's not what you're like; it's what you like." The mm. media you consume, and this is a very Gen X idea. Oh yeah, the, the media you consume uh, defines you far better than any of mm. your character or personality yeah. t- traits. T- telling someone you like an obscure album that they happen to like will get you a lot further yeah. than being yeah. nice. So is and, the theory. I don't. I don't subscribe to that myself. And, and he's talking yeah. about. Uh, like really passionately about the the TV miniseries the the prisoner, the one with Patrick yeah. McGowan, yeah, and great, uh, great show, and, and that's like making him seem more like a more interesting guy because he's yeah. interested in interesting art and. It's great. Have interesting conversations about interesting art. Yeah. But, you know, art is part of life and connected yeah. to the rest of your life as well. Yeah. Well, we talk about with people who we care about, whether we're close friends like Whitney and I or, or like we are with our spouses or family, um, is all connected to who we are as individuals and what we care about and what we're, we think and what we're interested in. 
Um, I think uh, I, I think one thing that film criticism and, and any kind of art criticism does really well, and what it can really help, mm-hmm. uh, is help people articulate not what they feel, but why they feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your takeaway? What why does this matter to you? Not that you just dig it. Anyone can say I like this. Mm-hmm. If you can have a conversation about what it means to you and why it does what it does, even if someone isn't interested in that thing. Mm-hmm. You can become interested. I, I encountered this phenomenon pretty recently with uh, my partner uh, M. They they are really into stationery, mm. like uh, you know pens mm. and pencils and paper and stuff. And obviously, that's a huge reduction of, of what mm. stationery is. But the, it's uh, the, the new year is upon us, and they're working on their daily planners. And they're, they're got, <laughs> they've got different daily planners for different goals mm-hmm. and different things in their life. And that's not something I ever used to really be into, but I've started like focusing on like what they're doing and how much care they put into it and finding the planner that's right for them and uh, uh, finding ways to make it more personalized using stamps or washi tape or. Um, and honestly, I I would not have been interested in this mm. on my own, but seeing it through their eyes, they wrote a great blog post about it. Uh, you can find it on uh, their. Uh, I think they linked to it on Twitter uh, at underscore m lapis da silva. Start with the underscore. Start with the uh, underscore. You got to do that. Uh, but uh, yeah, they did a blog post about uh, how a daily planner is like a list of things that you want to happen. It's like a, it's like having a book of magic spells. <laughs> and I, reading this like essay they wrote about it made me go, oh god damn it, that's actually really smart. So I've ordered a daily planner. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did research on the daily planner. I did one that they, they had a great piece of advice, which was uh, you'll find a daily planner. Uh, that you could fall in love with, uh-huh. so it doesn't become like this op this thing. You it doesn't become a chore. Uh-huh. You want to pick it up. Yeah. You want to open it. You want to get organized. So you find the right pieces and you find the right pens to write in it that make you go, "Ooh, I love writing." Mm-hmm. And now that's my thing too. <laughs> it wasn't before, yeah. but now it is. It's yeah, incredible. I, I've I've tried doing planners before and I always fall off. <laughs> it's yeah. it's just not something I'm, I'm capable of doing. It's just not not the way my mind works. But, but, uh, I, I'm at the point where I, seeing I, it through their lens, I kind of want to. I I always appreciated the people who have planners and uh, and like mm. philo faxes and those things yeah. that allow you to organize your life a little bit better. Yeah, uh, look at a, YouTube channels showing you like how to do that in ways that are very like appealing. Like I want to do that. I had a theory once mm. that the wor- the world wouldn't end until we stopped planning. Like if there's yeah. one thing we're looking forward to, we're gonna keep on churning forward. I think that's just life, isn't it? Yeah. Like when you've got something to look forward to, even if it's a little thing, you want to yeah. stick around for it. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, the the instant everyone stops planning, the the world yeah. will simply cease to be. I don't entirely that's, disagree. That, that was that was my sort it's of Twilight Zone a, thought for the a, day. It's a melancholic thought, but I I don't entirely <laughs> disagree. Anyway, that is it for we've got mail this week. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, thank you everybody who sent in your sight and sound polls. We will keep reading them, but of course send us other things as well. Uh, we'll be uh, doing our uh, episode of the, our picks for the best films of 2022 uh, within the next week. So that's we'd right. be, we'd be interested to hear your thoughts. On your favorite films of last year as well. So feel free to send those in as well. Or again, just ask us anything. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Yeah, send us an actual physical letter to the P.O. Uh, critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Big special shout out to all of our patrons. If you're a patron over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, you get to listen to this show and all of our other new shows 
ad-free, no more ads. Huzzah. And you also get a bunch of uh, exclusive shows and other types of material. Uh, we're just about to, as of this recording, publish the latest installment of Only the Best International, a podcast where we're endeavoring to review every single film that has ever been nominated for Best International Feature at the Academy Awards. Uh, we're we just at the third film right now. It's a film very few people have heard of, but it's a very exciting film to talk about called The Walls of Malapaga. And if you want to hear us talk about that and make some very unexpected connections, uh, you can listen to that podcast <laughs> at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed. I'll say this. It's the only review you'll hear of the walls of Malapaga that also makes reference to the three ninjas movies. Very detailed references <laughs> to the three ninjas movies. And it makes sense in context, I think. Anyway, well, uh, whether or not it does, it's what we did. So <laughs> anyway, we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. I'm also on Hive. Yes, he's also on Hive. And Find I'm, me on Hive. I'm on Instagram at William Bibiani. I'm on, I'm I'm on, on Mastodon. I'm, in, I'm on all of these things at William Bibiani. Uh, but um, yeah, I'd love to see you there. Uh, so uh, yeah, thank you everybody for uh, writing in. Thank you. If we didn't get to your email or we'll get to it soon, hopefully. And if not, feel free to write us in again. And uh, yeah. Sincerely yours, Bibbs and Whitney.